Hey everyone, ready for week 15? We've just got three weeks left and technically at this moment, every single NFC team is still alive in the playoff hunt, though that is going to change this weekend. Five teams in that conference playing elimination games this week. Meanwhile, in the AFC, fewer teams left and we'll do a deep dive on what's likely to happen there on this Wednesday edition of the NFL Roadshow with Lindsay Rhodes and today's special guest, my former NFL Network colleague who breaks down tape better than anyone else I know, Brian Baldinger. Hi, Baldy. Well, good afternoon, Lindsay. It's uh, you know it's an honor to join you here uh, on the road <laughs> and uh, getting a chance to do what we love to do and talk some football. Well, I appreciate you taking a break from your Baldy's breakdowns on Twitter to join me here and share some of the things that you have seen. For those who don't already know, I cannot recommend highly enough that you follow Brian on Twitter and Instagram. His handle in both places is BaldyNFL, and it is a football fan's dream. Short video clips of things that stood out to Baldy, good technique, really the why behind the plays that worked. No, that's that's kind of it. I mean, there's there's all kinds of reasons why somebody could be found in Baldy's breakdowns. I mean, watching Orlando Brown last night against Miles Garrett was a good matchup. Uh, he's seen him on the right side. He's never seen him on the left side before. Uh, watching Baker just extend plays and go beyond the X's and O's. Uh, you know, it, it, watching, you know, I call the Cleveland Browns offensive line the union. The like union. You got to have a hard hat. You got to be willing to do the dirty work. And they just play so well together. So it could be, it could be anything. It could be things that frustrate me. Yeah. Questions I have about coordinators are thinking, Lindsay. I mean, it could be, or it could just be, you know, uncommon effort, you know, that just stands out. So it, it could be any reason. Most of it is positive, but uh, there's reason why teams are are in, a, in the tank right now and are going to change coaches because there's a lot of that going on too. So it's really a mixed bag, but to me, I don't know, like there's no rhyme or reason when I sit down. Whatever I see, if, I, if it hits me, moves me, then I do it. Well, I should point out that since you said last night for a Monday night, we're taping this on Tuesday, it will be released on Wednesday. So he's referring to the, obviously the Ravens and Browns game, which was crazy fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, that went for the Ravens, huge for their playoff chances, by the way. According to 538, their playoff chances are now at 88%. If they had lost that game, their chances of getting in would have been in the mid-30s. So that's how big those mm-hmm. final minutes were for Baltimore. And as I said, I want to talk about the playoffs a lot more with you, Baldy. But for now, let's get everybody caught up on the news. It's time to break the huddle. Top stories today. Cowboys not looking to move on from Mike McCarthy. Jerry Jones went on the radio Tuesday and said it was ridiculous. That's literally the word he used. Ridiculous to talk about a coaching change in Dallas. As for the injuries this week, there are a lot. We've got James Conner with an injured quad for Pittsburgh. That's no good as they try to get their run game going. It's been sort of non-existent. Rojo with a finger injury in Tampa. He actually had a pin surgically placed in his fractured pinky finger on Tuesday. So he might not be able to play on Sunday, in which case it would be LaShawn McCoy or Leonard Fournette carrying the load for the Bucs or some combination of the two. By the way, Rojo, the second player on Tampa Bay's team to have a pin placed in his finger this year. Chris Godwin having played several weeks with 10 pins in his index finger. And Baldy, I feel like this story might be near and dear to your heart. Did they not have pins when you played? Uh, yeah, we had pins. I mean, it just didn't work. Just, just, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's all. <laughs> you know, Famous. Sometimes, for it the... works, sometimes it just doesn't work, Lindsay. 
the 90 degree in the wrong direction pinky finger yeah. that you have there. Wow. That's what uh, has given me some sort of, uh, you know, five minutes of fame in this world, Lindsay. I'll post a screen grab on Twitter for those of you that are just listening and unable to see Baldi's pinky finger and maybe haven't seen it in the past, though. It's pretty famous. A big game for Washington Sunday, and I know that you like what you are seeing there, as do I, and we'll get to why in just a bit. First, though, some good news for them. Optimism that Alex Smith will play against the Seahawks on Sunday, though he probably won't practice much this week. He needs to rest his calf strain. Matthew Stafford's status in Detroit also unknown. ESPN reporting that's a rib cartilage injury that he suffered on Sunday. Giants say Daniel Jones didn't make his hamstring injury worse in Sunday's game against the Cardinals, but he certainly looked limited, so they've got a decision to make there. And it sounds like Jacksonville and Philly have already made their decisions about their quarterbacks this week. Gardner Minshew and Jalen Hurts getting the start this week. That's kind of a no-brainer for the Eagles, don't you think, Baldy? Yeah, I mean, I was advocating a change weeks ago, Lindsay. I mean, I, I saw a Carson Wentz that just didn't look like he could be fixed. I saw all the, the tinkering they did with the offense to try to get him right. It just wasn't working for whatever reason. And uh, I was a big fan of Jalen Hurts coming out of Oklahoma, Lindsay. I actually advocated um, that the Eagles spend their 53rd pick on Jalen Hurts. And, uh, and then, you know, I mean, Carson Wentz had been sacked 50 times going into Saturday, uh, Sunday's game against the Saints, and Jalen Hurts wasn't sacked. And all of a sudden, you know, did the offense line just get better or did somebody just make better decisions? So That's uh, an interesting I, I, What I do think you think? That, well, no, I mean, I thought Jalen Hurts played great. Yeah. He made he the O-line better? Or did did they actually – did they did they play better with him under center? I, I or think did the he... line has played actually pretty good. I mean, they played 12 different combinations. But I, I like Jordan Mailata a lot. I think they – they messed up this year when they kept putting Jason Peters in there or somebody else, moving him to the right side. I thought, to me, he looks like a more athletic and more powerful Alejandro Villanueva. Like, I think this guy could be a solid player for a long, long time. You just have to leave him alone. I mean, he knows how to play. and It's, it's an amazing story. So I thought they played better. Nate Herbig, I've been a fan of his at right guard. And uh, Driscoll has played well when he's been in there, starting with the first week of the season. Out for the rest and of so, the season, though, with an MCL sprain. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I well, he did it last week, so he gutted it out. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was big. But I thought they played their best five healthy guys last Sunday, and I thought they played really well. Well, uh, their receivers didn't have a drop for the first time this season. Who knows if that's a coincidence or not. They had two 100-yard rushers against a team that never gives up a 100-yard game to a rusher of any kind, I guess. In this case, one of them was a quarterback, but they'd gone 56 straight games without allowing that, and in this game gave up two. Some potential concerns, and I'm eager to get your thoughts on this. The passing game was pretty basic, and Hertz graded out as the lowest-graded quarterback of the week, I believe, according to PFF. They gave them a four, him a 40.9 passing grade. Did you see anything from Jalen Hurts? Because I think the rest of us – you know, you look at it, you see his rushing ability and the spark that he provided. Were there areas of concern if teams were able to take advantage of them moving forward now that they're on tape? Well, it's a good thing I don't read a lot of those stats, Lindsay, because I don't agree with that. I mean, the touchdown throw to Alshon Jeffrey, I mean, Quan Alexander hit him right in the face. I mean, he was flagged for it, and the ball went right where it had to go against an elite corner in Marshawn Lattimore. Um, you know, that got him on the board. That was their first touchdown. That's you look at throws sometimes just in a bubble, like in a vacuum, and you go, how many players 
How many quarterbacks in this league are going to make that throw? Be able to make it, not run, not duck, not uh, take the sack, not throw the ball in the stands, but make a perfect throw. I mean, sometimes it's not how many uh, throws that you make, it's just how many big throws you make. And I thought he made a lot of big throws. But, yes, they kept the basic. But, you know, even the basic stuff, Lindsey, um, if you say, okay, you know, first completion, Miles Sanders on a swing route. Second completion to Jalen Rager on, you know, coming across the formation, throwing a hitch screen. But, you know, there's completions. And then what are you doing with a perfectly located completion? And what can you do with it after the catch? And he just put the ball on a tee for a lot of those guys. And so I thought his accuracy was really good. So they're all of a sudden back in the conversation for a playoff berth. Though, my favorite team to come out of the NFC East and has been for several weeks now is Washington. They're playing so well. And I know we all love what we see on the defensive side of the ball, but even looking ahead to the future, I love the way that they're built when they've got Antonio Gibson available when they do have him available. That obviously wasn't the case. Um, But Antonio Gibson's a talent at running back. Terry McLaurin is a special guy at wide receiver. They're going to need to figure out something at quarterback for sure. But, uh, But I know you're really excited about their defense. And did you call them the best defense in the NFL? Well, they're, you know, statistically not the best defense yet, but I think they're going to get there. I mean, physically, what they did to the 49ers, 49ers are a good football team. They do a lot of things really well. And to watch what they did physically to the 49ers um, was just shocking. I mean, you know, whether it was splitses, whether it was just physically throwing people all over the place. Um, you know, I said yesterday, and I, and I believe that I was talking to a general manager of the league yesterday, but when you build a team, um, on defense, and you're building not just a defense, but a championship caliber defense. If you can combine speed with intelligence and then violence, if you can put that combination together, it's a great cocktail. You're going to go places, and, and you're going to win a lot of games. And it it defeats schemes, and it defeats you know quarterback play, and it defeats you know geniuses that are calling plays, and people that like to title those uh, play callers geniuses. It defeats all of it. And when you look at the, the, the Washington football team right now, they have a lot of those components. Um, when you watch Chase Young play, just don't look at the stats. Just watch the guy's movement. I mean, a scout studies movement. That's what they do. And when you watch his movement, there's just very few guys that are as smooth as he is in movement and yet at the finish are as violent as he is. Like it is – like he could play the game in a tuxedo and still smash it pieces. And that's kind of how he is. And on the other side, Montez Sweat, we all knew the talent that he was coming out of Mississippi State. Uh, by the way, that's just a factor for defensive linemen down there. But um, he, he is a perfect complement on the other side. Because when you look at their speed and their ability, once the play begins to break down, to chase, run, and then just wreck and wreak havoc, that's a great combination right there. And now Jack DeRio has just coordinated the whole thing. So you don't see these ridiculously dumb breakdowns in the back end that we've watched for decades with Washington. You uh, suggested that the way that this defense is built, that they can defeat geniuses. Is that a shout out at Kyle Shanahan? Well, I mean, I wasn't, you know, it wasn't a backhanded thing. I mean, people, I like Kyle Shanahan and respect him a lot, a great deal, but all the play action passes in the world you can design, which he, which he's a master at really, it doesn't matter if you're just like, your quarterback is just getting hit 
and chased and you know receivers over the middle are just getting lit up or thrown out of bounds the way DeShazer Everett, you know, through Brandon Ayuk out of bounds, you know, like like throwing him out of the club. We threw him out of the club, Lindsay, but it was like one of those games you played at the state fair to see like, you know, who could throw, you know, the, the medicine ball <laughs> or something. That seems like a game that you would play at the state fair. I like the state fair. I'm a big <laughs> fan of the state fair. Just... You know, I would I would like to take Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes with me to the state fair and just pop balloons and just get the biggest teddy bear for <laughs> Washington right now, if the playoffs started today, which I know is everyone's favorite saying, they would be the four seed. Do you think that they have a chance to get a W in the postseason? Are they built like that? Are they there yet? No, for sure. Uh, You know, we, Antonio Gibson is going to make a difference. I mean, he's, I remember going down to training camp and watching Washington and talking to, to Chico and to Del Rio and a bunch of guys and just wanted to eyeball everything. And Adrian Peterson was there. And, you know, Alex Smith was there. And I was watching Antonio Gibson, and I was just saying to myself, in fact, I texted Daniel Jeremiah, like, what, what is read on our, our draft girl, of course, at yeah. Network, just about Antonio Gibson and what he thought. Because I was saying, why would you keep Adrian Peterson as much as he's got heart and soul for this game? Why would you keep him? if you could play Gibson, you know, I mean, he just looked like he was going to be big and a good piece. And then I thought Alex Smith was the best quarterback, but I didn't know if he could protect himself at that stage without any preseason games. I I saw pieces there, but you know, Logan Thomas was, was always just a a quarterback trying to find a position until this year. And all of a sudden he's developing and Brandon Sheriff is healthy. And, you know, Morgan Moses is a right tackle. And, you know, this Cornelius Lucas at left tackle, I, mean, I remember him at Kansas State. He was just a guy, you know, a jolly green giant at six foot nine, and could he bend? And he, he, I don't see anybody beating him at left tackle. And you just look how this thing is kind of coming together, you know, with some creativity from Scott Turner, called plays, and what they do on defense to, to beat Pittsburgh, go on the road, beat, you know, the 49ers. I'm going to be in Washington this weekend for Seattle, which was, I'm sure we'll get to it, which is a marquee game. And then all of a sudden, you know, as a young team, that's believes in their coach and, you know, cleaning that whole program up, you go, well, you, you, you beat those teams. And if you can beat Seattle like in that locker room, they'll feel like they, they can beat anybody, not well, just invincible, but they can beat anybody. Well, so I think that Seattle, if things stayed the way that they are right now would be the team that Washington played in the first round of the playoffs too. So I, I, mean, I be- you will see how all that plays out. But I mean, you know, if they beat Seattle, I don't think if they had to go to Seattle to play, well, they play them at home. I don't know. But, I don't I know mean, if that matters this year, though, right? Without the no. fans in the stands in Seattle, no, that home field advantage anywhere, is anywhere. I mean, you could play, you know, at uh, University University of Phoenix Stadium right now, you know, make that you know the bubble statement. It wouldn't make any difference. I mean, there's really no home field right now. You mentioned Adrian Peterson starting the season in Washington, and then he goes to Detroit, and they continue to use him. And I get it while DeAndre Swift was injured. Were you surprised that they continued to use him as long as they did and didn't just put the ball in DeAndre Swift's hands? I mean, Washington kind of eased into Antonio Gibson too. So maybe there's just something to be said for these rookie running backs not getting a preseason. You were nodding your head though. Yeah, well, I mean, I I, I just believe right now you've got to play your young players. I mean, the Jets 
played Frank Gore last week after Don nice. Johnson runs for 100 the week before. And Josh Adams runs for 100. I, I mean, I was shaking my head. I mean, nothing against Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson. I mean, these guys could probably keep playing on and on and on. But it's a young man's game. And I, I was a big fan of DeAndre Swift. He's a Philadelphia kid here, Lindsay went to St. Joe's Prep, been following him a long time. Like Jonathan Taylor in, you know, in Indianapolis is turning it up. And these young guys, they just got the fresh legs. They bounce back fast. The big thing is these guys practice. You know, the, the older guys, you have to give them rest dates. You got to, you know, and if, you know, you, you, you watch the beatings that, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt take, but they're young. And they can keep delivering these poundings and wear teams down. I mean, watch Cam Akers right now with the Rams. I mean, they've got they've got their back. I just think you've got to turn it over to these guys. Now, For now, have, until they, they go have, back to a committee next week. Well, I hope not. I don't think they will. I mean, we'll see what they do against the Jets. But I think that it's a young man's game when you can get young talent out there. I understand if they can't protect, if they're a liability in that, or if they fumble. Like, I understand that. But – I mean, I'd get those guys on the field if I could, any way I could. Jonathan Taylor coming off a 150-yard rushing output against the Raiders. The Colts' offense, just in general, looked outstanding. How much of that do you think is the Colts' offense clicking at the right time, and how much was it just a date against the Raiders, whose defense has given those types of games up this year? I talked to Mike May a couple weeks ago, Lindsay. He said we're awful on defense. He just clearly oh. right away. Yeah, so you know, I mean, but, but they they're they're not good, but yeah. still, I mean, I thought getting Ty Hilton back healthy, he looked like a real number one receiver the other day. Yeah, and I you you haven't seen that in a while, but I mean, he just ran right by Jonathan Abram, you know, for a touchdown and the third down conversions, and Philip looked like he was thrown to a guy that he really trusted, and you know, and then you know, watching you know my favorite player Quentin Nelson, watching Quentin go out the left tackle. I just thought they have, you know, they, they, they're two second-round picks, Taylor, you know, and, and Pittman. I mean, that's what you want. You get those guys on the field, and they're both really performing well. And I think teams that are going to – that get to the playoffs and then do something in the playoffs, invariably they always get a big lift from young players. They just do. They're enthusiastic. They don't know what they don't know, and they're just excited. And that people feed off of that. Quentin Nelson's still number one in the Baldy Power Rankings, a favorite offensive lineman. Yeah. He hasn't been overtaken yeah, because, because by Mr. Wills in Cleveland. Or... I like Jedrick. I like Jedrick. Uh, you know, like I said, I was having a conversation with a general manager that is going to make a coaching change. And we were talking about the offensive line. He knows the value of it. Wait, is going to make a coaching change or <laughs> has already he, made? He, he's going to make a coaching change. Oh, Baldy, this so, is it, juicy. Anyways, um, Secrets. Well, we were talking about his <laughs> not but, we, but I, you know, we're just talking about the offense line. Okay. And you got to have – Beware, I'm reading between every line here. You, every line. Okay. Is, that's a good line. It's got to have a guy that every day sets the tone, whether it's, you know, a miserable 9-on-7 practice on Wednesday and you just got to get the troops going. And you got to maybe start the fight and finish the fight, whatever it is. You got to have a guy. Quentin is that guy. Like, he's, he's he finishes every play. Um, he's, he picks the running back up 40 yards down the field every play. He has a third lung. He never gets tired. Like, he's that guy in Indy. Now, Glowinski's a good player, and Costanza's a tough guy, but he's the guy. And you can tell he made everybody around him better. He's like 
He's just special. And there's other guys like that in the league right now, but he's, you know, he's got it. So how was the rest of that conversation with Joe Douglas? <laughs> well, you know, there's <laughs> other general managers in this league, Liz, you got to make some coaching changes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the AFC playoff picture because yes. I think things are really interesting there at the bottom, right? I did I a deep dive this morning on the four teams that are fighting for those final two spots. And I did okay. not include the Browns in this conversation because it looks like they can even afford to lose a game and still get in with the way that the rest of the things are shaking up. Colts, frankly, are in the same boat. It looks like they could afford to lose one and still get in. The Ravens might be able to as well. I ran a simulation where they lost a game, and the only way that they would miss the playoffs in that scenario was if the Dolphins or the Raiders won out. So there is so much pressure on those two teams. And remember, they play each other in Week 16, so that scenario would only be possible for one of them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so those are the chances. Now forget that and tell me of those four teams, Baldy, the Colts, the Ravens, the Dolphins, and the Raiders, which is the best team and most likely to have success in the postseason if they get there? Well, I think the Ravens could certainly win out and be a factor against anybody in the playoffs. I mean, if you look at, say, Buffalo, I love Buffalo. We all love Buffalo. But they would have a hard time against the team, I believe, in the playoffs that can really run the football, like Cleveland or Baltimore uh, or, or Tennessee, a team that can really run it and control the ball and play some keep away and wear that defense down, they're going to – they'll have a hard time. But, you know, Buffalo can go up against Pittsburgh and Kansas City and they can throw it to Stephon Diggs all day long like they did in the second half on Sunday and they can go up and down the field with anybody. So – but I think, you know – they, they're built a certain way. They're very good in the back end of their defense. They're very talented at corner and safety and how they play and how they want to play and keeping everything in front of them. But I still have questions about a team that can come down and just wear them down up front. What do you think about the Dolphins? They have, I think, probably the toughest schedule out of all the teams that I just mentioned. They still have to play the Patriots. And keep in mind, as much as the Patriots have not looked like the Patriots this year, that is a Bill Belichick versus a rookie quarterback uh, matchup. And we saw just a couple weeks ago when they faced Justin Herbert what those tend to look like. And then they've got the Raiders and then they've got the Bills. So that's a tough stretch down the road for the Dolphins. But I love what Brian Flores is building now. They're particularly on the defensive side of the ball. I think that that's a team that, as we saw on Sunday against the Chiefs, can probably beat anyone in the league right now. You just can't count on them to do it consistently. Well, I mean, he's got a great vision about how to build a team. I mean, you know, when you got Byron Jones and you get Xavier Howard and you can lock up on the outside the way that they can. I don't know that anybody's better than Xavier Howard. Uh, you know, just his technique and how he plays, and matter regardless who he plays up against, Tyreek Hill, it doesn't matter. I mean, he's just a great player. So, you know, and then how they get after the quarterback with the twist stunts and the different looks that he gives you. I mean, that's that's a full day preparing for that defense. And they can they can keep the score down on just about anybody. So but, you know, the offense line really struggled against Kansas City on Sunday. But despite the struggle, like Tua, <laughs> it is really fun to study Tua. Yeah, because he is just. He's because I mean Steve Spagnuolo. I've got his whole blitz package up here on my board over here. But I mean his blitz package. He came after him with everything he had, and it was blitzes that you can't possibly walk through on a Wednesday or. I mean, 
just from every different direction and nothing phases to him. I mean, he's just composed. And the thing about him is, is that he feels pressure without seeing it, which is great. But then like a Drew Brees and some other elite players, his footwork is amazing. Like he gets his feet set. He doesn't throw off, uh, off crazy platforms. I mean, he really plays with great fundamentals. And even the throws that he missed or incomplete, I mean, he misses. I don't care. He doesn't miss by much. I mean, the touchdown to Gesicki was ridiculous, right? I mean, nobody throws that ball. Maybe Mahomes throws that ball. But, I mean, Gesicki is an elite athlete. Um, he's a world-class volleyball player. He's just an elite player and athlete. And they're just discovering that. But the throws that he made, I mean, it was all backup receivers, you know, yeah, they were without their top six receivers, I think. At but some it didn't matter. I mean, Bowden was in there. I like him a lot. Uh, you know, Antonio Callaway was in there. I mean, they were playing with all back. It didn't matter. I mean, the ball, you just put the ball where it has to be put. And so, you know, even down 30 to 10 with two, they weren't out of it. They went down there twice, scored two straight touchdowns. And um, he just, you know, he just willed them. And there's something about him, though, that you can see why. I was one of those people that thought just play Fitzpatrick. There was no rush. He Me was too. leader tough, but you could see why Flores. And I don't think it comes from Stephen Ross or anybody else. I, I think Brian knows what he has from a spiritual side, a leadership side, a talent side with Tua. That's just rare. And he seems to be getting better week after week after week, coming off his best game of the season against the Chiefs. Um, so well, they asked him to do more. He had to do more, Lindsay. It wasn't like the defense just set him up, you know, like he did in other games against the Jets or whatever else or Denver. I mean, they, he had, a, he had a, you know, to get back in that game, he had to throw it to get back in it against a really good defense that has a lot of pieces. So what should we expect this week for Bill Belichick to focus on in terms of making his life rough? Because he always finds that weakness. Well, I mean, he'll do, he'll try to do in part, to what he did to Kyler. I mean, what they did to Kyler Murray was, I mean, they just put him in a box. They let him do anything. And they made life really tough. Now, they can lock you up on the outside with the best of them. I mean, Stephon Gilmore will have watched. If Devontae Parker plays, Stephon Gilmore will watch every single route that he's run all year. With Fitzpatrick, with Tua, I mean, he's just, he's just a study nerd. And J.C. Jackson and Jonathan Jones, I mean, they, they can lock their receivers up. I mean, they've got a guy that can cover Gasicki in the tight end. So they'll start with that and then they'll play a variety of coverages and come out with twist stunts and they'll try to keep them at, you know, I don't know what he is, five foot 10. They'll keep them right there and with hands up and make them beat them right from the pocket and not let them bootleg and not let them get outside and not let them do some of the things that he likes to do. Okay, that is one of the early games on Sunday. Again, we've got a full slate again this week. 16 games, buys are done. First game up is the Thursday game, and we've got a preview of that one coming up after this break. All right, let's talk a little Thursday night football. First game of week 15, it's the Chargers and the Raiders in Las Vegas. Vegas favored by three and a half points, the over-under 53.5. Raiders clinging to their very last playoff hope, right? So uh, they 
pretty much, as I said earlier, have to win out. They've got games against the Chargers and then the Dolphins and then the Broncos. And even if they can get past the Dolphins, Chargers and Broncos in division matchups, you never know what to expect there. But what should we expect here? Of course, the Raiders coming off a game in which their defense gave up 44 points and 400 and I think 65 yards to the Colts. And they, as a result, fired their defensive coordinator, Paul Gunther. So it will be Rod Marinelli calling plays on that side of the ball with, of course, John Gruden hovering over everything. Who's the, how how do you think this should go? What's your expectation, Baldy? Well, I mean, the last time they played, it came down to the final play. I mean, you know, I mean, they, they, they made plays in the end zone two times in a row to win the game. I forget the corner for the Raiders that made the play. But, you know, with, you know, Justin Herbert, I mean, he's, he's had a lot of success throwing the football this year. I mean, from his first start against the Chiefs and the ability to move the team, uh, you know, up and down the field. They just can't finish games. And so I think they're not a great running team or anything like that, which bothers the Raiders. But the Raiders just don't pressure you well at all. We'll see what Marinelli does. He's never been a, a big blitz guy. He's a front four guy. He'll probably, you know, I mean, I know Rod, but he'll just, uh, when you think you've played hard enough, I'll show you how you can play harder. So he'll, he'll light him up with one of his speeches and he'll play hard up front, but I don't, Max Crosby, Cleveland Farrell, you know, I just don't see Arden Key. Like they just can't really get to the quarterback very good. So I, I you know, it'll come down probably to who has the ball last. I think the Raiders will have a great deal of success defensively against them. Um, you know, they, they usually do. So whoever has the ball last, but I mean, this is the Raiders playoff hopes. So, you know, the only thing that I would say about Derek Carr is he's played really well this year. He just doesn't protect the ball very well. And he puts it on the ground and he gets knocked out and it really hurts their team at times, uh, despite how well he's thrown and, and all that. But they're, they're good offense. They're just not a great offense when they go up against good defense. How frustrating has this Chargers team been for you to watch with the types of mistakes that they're making? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the clock mistakes, special teams mistakes, Lindsay, it shows up every week, you know, and at some point you just go, I mean, it does come down. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Anthony Lynn. Anybody that's talked to him knows that, you know, you, you root for him. Right. But it only starts at the top with just attention to detail and all those kind of things. And it looks like he needs help. It looks like he needs help on the sideline. And, you know, once you lose games, because whether it's clock management or special team gaps or whatever it is, uh, you know, what they get against the Patriots and getting blown out 45 to nothing with block punts and field goals and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just a question of how many players are rolling their eyes in the back of the league and knowing that we can't compete. All players want to know is that is our coach giving us a chance to compete at the highest level every week. And if he isn't, then they start listening to all the noise out there. And there's always noise. What do you think of Justin Herbert? I like him a lot. Uh, I did. I was fortunate enough to be at, at uh, SoFi Stadium week two when Terod Taylor went into the locker room five minutes before the kickoff. And, um, you know, and watching him take that team, which looked dreadfully boring with Terod Taylor quarterback, mm-hmm. trying to run read option plays to Justin Herbert where, you know, there's Keenan Allen with 99 catches, like he's getting fed regularly, and his ability to escape, to be a part of the run game, um, just his presence, just I like a big, tall quarterback like that. I think the future is bright. And, you know, if I was the Chargers, I would try to find 
the best CEO I could find, because I think they're going to make a change. Coach that can just run the whole thing and put them with a really talented coordinator. Do you have anyone in mind? Like who well, would I mean, be a good fit there? You know, like what Joe Brady's doing for Matt Rule is like, it, it's going to be hard to probably keep him. But, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, P.J. Walker, um, you know, Robbie Anderson, all these guys have all of a sudden flourished under the, the, the tutorials that Joe Brady's doing and how he gets the matchups he wants. Um, like, he's, he's talented. He's really talented. And he's 30, and he's young, and he understands quarterback play. Like, somebody like that, you know, would be a great fit. Do you have a vote for the postseason awards? No. Wow. Okay, we need to fix that, A. And then, B, if you had a vote, I mean, come on, really? Like, you're watching all of it. Um, would you vote Justin Herbert for Rookie of the Year? Would you go in a Justin Jefferson direction? Do you have Offensive Rookie of the Year? I guess I should specify because they, they split them up at that level. Uh, Anyone else? Well, I mean, I, it would be hard to go against Justin Herbert just because of how well he's played in, you know, all but one game right now in, you know, taking the Saints to the brink and Raiders to the brink, all the games that they lost, you know, until in the final seconds. I mean, it'd be hard to go against Justin Herbert, but, um, you know, Justin Jefferson has been awesome. I mean, Minnesota is on the brink, so it's hard to – usually you want to give it to somebody that either has turned the team around or a quarterback. And so I wouldn't leave Chase Young out of the equation just yet. Well, no, because but but rookie of the year is offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year. Oh, it's not so an MVP award. So so Chase Young will get his, I'm sure. Well, I mean, I I, I think that he's going to finish really strong. So I, I think he's plays with great awareness. He's he's going to make more and more plays as the season goes on here. But I, I wouldn't have any problem giving it to Justin Jefferson at this point. I'm trying to think, you know, who else? Yeah. Like I would like to give it to Makai Becton, but you know, the Jets are 0 13. You know, so yeah, that's tough. But he's playing well. That's that's good to know that you think he's playing well because we're not talking about anything positive coming out of New York. I know. But I mean, I do a Mackay Becton breakdown every week. Um, you know, he's he, he's going to be the best offensive lineman in football. Um, it's it's just you know they just need to help him out a little bit. All right, I think we've got a Jets question for you in the midweek mailbag, which we'll get to in just a second. First, though, want to pay off this Thursday night football preview. So again, I said the line Raiders. Favored by three and a half. Who are you taking? I'll take the Raiders. I'll take you're getting, Raiders a lot of, you're getting a lot of mail. Yeah. And is that <laughs> AOL? Is that the AOL ding that I'm hearing? Uh, yeah, I still am on, on AOL. You yeah, and I, I, I we're down. like the the old people that are clinging to those AOL emails. I didn't know like it was, I mean, I, I hear that now. Now I hear that. But I didn't know why it was like an old thing. Like, what? I mean, who, what difference does it make? What server is? Like, well, I, I agree. That's why I haven't moved on either. Uh, yeah. I'm so you're taking the Raiders. I think I'll take the Raiders too, just because it's the Chargers, and chances are they'll find a way to mess up something. Um, but I just I don't like what I'm seeing from the Raiders lately, and I really want to like what I'm seeing from the Raiders lately. Um, but just you know, ugh, it's a mess on defense. It is a mess on defense. So I'm sorry for. I mean, Paul Gunther's a Jersey guy, yeah. known Paul a long time. So I feel bad when coaches. You know, yeah, don't like we don't that. want anyone to get fired. No, well, I mean, I mean it just especially as a friend, you know, and you no, know, I mean, I remember talking to Paul 
couple weeks ago when they literally were in COVID lockdown and getting ready to play the Chiefs, you know? And he's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to stay in our houses. We're not, I mean, I'm not against any of the protocols, Lindsay, don't get me wrong, but like, we're going to, we're going to listen to what everybody's saying about the science. We're going to stay home and then we'll have a walkthrough on Sunday morning and go play Patrick Mahomes. Like, it's just, I mean, it's not really. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. It worked out okay though. Yeah, they played well. I mean, their two best games defensively against the Chiefs. I, I saw them in Arrowhead, and that was a great second half that they did against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Maybe that that's it. Maybe Paul they Gunther. should stay home, keep the defense home every week. <laughs> Maybe we're on to something. Maybe. All right. Over under in that game is 53 and a half. I don't think I'm ever taking an under after Monday night. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm looking at the defenses of both teams right now. I'd probably go over right now. Mm-hmm. Me too. Okay, so let's do this uh, midweek mailbag because we've got some good questions for you. All right, first up is from Anna. She wants to know what your take on Sam Darnold is. Should my Jets move on from him, she says. I don't necessarily – well, okay, we'll get to the should because I think it's obvious at this point that they're going to, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, so yeah. – Look, but here's the thing about Sam, and I almost – I did a football camp this year in Maui with Sam. So in Maui, uh, you know, I got a chance to sign me up for that one. Him. What can I do for you at that football camp? Yeah, um, you could you could help out, uh, Lindsay. I mean, okay, you, you know, find we, me a job. It, it was great, but anyways, I've been around Sam. I mean, he's 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 just a sweetheart of a guy. Um, we 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 haven't seen any part of Sam that really can be Sam. Nothing from three years. But here's the thing. You've now used up three years of his rookie contract. I know. All right. And now you're going to make another coaching change and a new system. And now you're going to go into year four. And then you have to make a decision about that second deal. And you go, why not just start over? And that's really what I think it's going to come down to. And that's not a knock on Sam. Because no. Sam's going to have a chance to rebuild this thing someplace else, I, I think. Like, I think that's what they're going to do. Okay, where? Let's find I, a landing I, spot for Sam Donald. I, I, because- I mean, it does Indianapolis. It does – not that they would move on from Philip, but um, you know. Well, she, she, he might you know, move on. Finishes. I mean, I think Phil's doing just fine, and I mm-hmm. think you know Frank and Sariano, all those guys really enjoy working with him. But eventually, they're going to have to replace Phil. So, uh, you know, would is Sam Darnold a good fit in New Orleans if they move on from Drew? Oh, it just uh, feels like they have so many options there already. Maybe, maybe, but maybe Sam is a better option. So, I mean, I don't know. You know, landing spots. It's always a quarterback carousel, and where they go. Uh, so, you know, what is what is Jacksonville going to do with when they make a coaching change? And would that be a, a, a fit? So there's there's things out there uh, for Sam. He, he may have to rebuild himself the way Teddy Bridgewater did or some of these other guys have and rehabilitate someplace and start fresh somewhere. Yikes. Jacksonville might have too high of a draft pick. Maybe. They might need to go get I'm somebody. Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. I mean, they're going to go, you know, at the top here and – But but I guess the interesting point here that you're making is because I've wondered this for years. I don't think we know anything about Sam Darnold, the way that that whole offense has been. And I think he's just lost these valuable years. This year, I mean, I went to the first day of training camp this year and Denzel Mims pulled his hamstring in a walkthrough, which is hard to do, Lindsay. Put him on the shelf for eight (laughs) weeks. Um, Rashad Perriman didn't practice. Uh, Le'Veon Bell didn't practice. I mean, nobody practiced, you know? And so – and, and you had no off season, and so you you got all these new pieces, and you've got no timing with any of them, no practice with any of them, and then you get hurt, you know, against Denver, and your shoulders falling off, and 
you know, I mean, your left tackle goes out. It's just, it's just horrible. I mean, it's just unfair. But you know, nobody is you know feeling sorry for Sam. Uh, but I, but I do well, think I might be feeling sorry seen, for Sam a little bit. Well, I mean, what I might have been? I don't know. You know, in uh, the way that I might feel sorry for, and yet also not like crying at night for like a guy like David Carr or something like that. I mean, obviously, I'm not. He made his bazillions of dollars yeah. <laughs> and is uh, better off than I am financially. But you know, I don't know. I don't know what he would have been if he'd gone to a different situation. I hate that question mark hovering over people's heads. And I realize that it's not just quarterbacks. There's tons of guys that walk into circumstances that dictate where their career is going to go. I mean, look, they never it, really get to find say, out. Let's just say Andy Reid couldn't have made the trade for Patrick Mahomes, and if Sam Darnold was in Kansas City the last three years. Now I'm not. I don't know what kind of career Sam would have, but you'd have a pretty good feeling that if Sam Darnold had just spent three years with Andy Reid or three years with Sean Payton or three years in Seattle with the stability that those organizations have and the way that they're constructed, that you would, you know, that you would have a much better idea of just how good Sam could be. You brought up New Orleans there, so I want to ask a follow-up question about that. Taysom Hill, do you think that he's a starting quarterback? Yeah, I do. Now, he, he, he didn't play great on Sunday, but he is like, I, I'm just amazed because I, I always say that if you are playing behind a great, great player like Drew Brees, um, or if you're playing, you know, behind a great linebacker like Bobby Wagner, like, why wouldn't you want to just try to imitate everything they do? But yet, players don't do that a lot, except Taysom Hill has. Like, if you watch any detail about, Say, take a shotgun snap. He takes a shotgun snap exactly the way Drew does. If you watch him warm up, he warms up just like Drew does. If you watch him go from making a throw to his right side to his left side, the footwork, I, it, it's, it's almost identical. And so you can tell that for the last four years, he has mirrored Drew Brees to great time. That doesn't mean he's going to mirror Drew Brees' success. But you could tell that the attention to detail is there. And if you just looked at Sean Payton's NFL career in Philadelphia and the Giants with Kerry Collins and Dallas with Romo, and just go through his, you know, the checklist of all the quarterbacks he's worked with. He doesn't make many mistakes, you know. And so if Sean Payton is saying he can play, he's not, it's not lip service. That's his resume out there saying it. So then you look for all the reasons why he says it. And you see a lot of those reasons why he says it. No, he's got. To, he's just got to play. You know, he's just got to see circumstances. And he saw a, a fierce pass rush the other day from the from the Eagles that played with a rare lead, and they teed off on him pretty good. But I didn't see him flinch or bail out too soon or anything. I saw him stick in there and make a lot of good throws. I can't wait to see the Saints and the Chiefs. <laughs> yes, that'll be so fun in the afternoon window. One of three games in the afternoon window. We're back to a total imbalance again this week, Baldy. Okay, last question. Okay. Of the teams in the playoff picture, so try and think about who those teams are, who has the best offensive line, in your opinion, one that can make them a real worry in the playoffs? That's by Scott Moore, that question. I think Cleveland. I think Cleveland's the best offensive line. And it was on display last night. Um, You know, Baker wasn't sacked last night uh, against a Wink Martindale defense, which – Never happens. But I just the way that they protect the union. Um, 
the way that they move the line of scrimmage, I don't think there's a better interior three than Wyatt Teller, J.C. Treader, and, and, you know, and, and Batonio. I mean, I think that's the best interior trio in the league. And then if you combine them with the, the way that they ask their tight ends and running backs to protect and block and move, the way that – I think that line right now is heads and shoulders above everybody. How much credit do they get for what we're seeing from Nick? is good. I mean, there's – you know, Kansas City is really effective in what they do. But but I think that that group is, is pretty special. Nick Chubb is obviously a very good running back. How much of what we're seeing from him this year is because of the run blocking that he's getting from that O line? How much? How much? Where does the credit go, or is it just all symbiotic? Well, there is a uh, dance that great running backs have with their offensive line, and just because you're a great running back in this system doesn't always make you a great running back in another system. He he plays really well with the group in front of him right now. The two touchdown runs last night. I mean, the first one, Lindsay. I'm, I'm sure you studied it all day today. But like, you know, all Matt Judon. Matt Judon comes free. The the tight end screwed up, and he's coming right at him. And Chubb put that left foot in the ground and went in a different direction. You know, the change of direction like that, and then you go in a different direction. And to see it, I mean, he's just rare. But great running backs make offensive lines look just that much better. He's he's just there's he's just special. Before we go, I just want to make sure that you know that it was cramps for Lamar Jackson. What kind of cramps? He is that is his story and he is sticking to it. But what kind of cramps? Is he, is all kinds I don't know, but cramps that required an IV and there was oh. a bandage okay. in that part of his arm. Yeah. Okay. Sleuths right. on Twitter of, you know, really breaking yeah. this down. Although it was really fun watching all the poop jokes roll in. Well, they're all I mean, that's happening. I mean, we need fans to come in and you know, to fill in the blanks a lot. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Um, I, I just thought it just added just tons of intrigue. Totally right. Time. It was like a very specific Willis Reed-like moment. Well, I, I tweeted that out as soon as it happened. I didn't know if people knew who Willis Reed was, if, if that reference was over a lot of the... Come on, Baldy. Well, I mean, I, I'm not saying that about you, Lindsay, but a lot of people, young people, probably never heard of Willis Reed. Maybe in that moment. But, you know... This is a teaching opportunity. Yes. Yes, uh, the New York Knicks in 1971. But, it, you know, it was, uh, it, was, it was great, though. It was great. I mean, look, I, 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 I thought Trace McSorley was going to come out there and really help them do what, what he did at Penn State. I mean, I thought he was on his way, and then he gets hurt. And, you know, next thing you know, he's got to come out of the locker room. And, you know, the drama just went way up. And to see what he did as soon as he came out was amazing. And now we are crossing our fingers that we get to see that matchup a third time. I hope so. In the postseason. I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh, that'd be so Hope fun. it happens. Please, please, yeah. please. I think the postseason is going to be the best that we've seen. It's going to be fun, right? Yeah. I mean. It'll be weird. Well, yeah. I mean, we, you know, with the fans and stuff. But, but it, I mean, I just think it's the matchups are going to be just deliciously good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to them, too. Yeah. Baldy, this has been fun for me. And again, it's Baldy NFL. Yep. Baldy with a Y. Avi on Twitter and on Instagram. And please go check out his Baldi's Breakdowns because I promise you, you will learn something. It'll help you look at the game a little bit differently. Thank you, Liz. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.